And uh, as you've already heard from everybody else, Happy New Year uh, to all of you. And I hope it was uh, just a great uh, New Year celebration that you had, maybe a little bit different from years past, but still exciting, right? And uh, here we are in the house of the Lord, praise God, the first Sunday of a new year. You know, uh, there is a different thing uh, from going to church and going to the house of the Lord. They're two different experiences. When you go to church, you know, you come inside these four walls or however many walls we have in this building and, uh, you know, you can sing a few songs with us, you can hear a sermon and you can say hello to some friends. And while, of course, in itself, all of that is great, aren't you glad that you are going to get more out of that today? Because today you have come to the house of the Lord. You know, there's a scripture that says, I came into his banqueting house, and his banner over me is love. The house of the Lord is a place of relationship with God. Amen. The house of the Lord is a place of communion with Him. It's a place of revelation where we come to understand more about who He is, more about who He's made us to be. Amen. More about who we are together as the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, when we come into the house of the Lord, it's a place where the family of God gathers for ministry and for fellowship. The Word of God says that you and I, as the people of God, that we are a nation of kings and priests, amen? And that means when you come into the house of the Lord, you come in as a priest of, the God, of God. You're coming in here not just to worship or whatever, sing some songs. You're coming in here to minister to God. What an amazing thing that you and I get to do as we enter the house of the Lord. As we do that, our whole focus shifts, right? It focuses from me and myself and what's going on in my life, and it begins to, to shift, and it begins to shift towards God and who He is. And so we begin to close our eyes and clap our hands and, you know, raise our voices in song and worship to Him. And uh, as we do that, you know, when we begin to minister to the Lord, the incredible thing is that you begin to be empowered to minister to your brothers and sisters who are here with you. And uh, you begin, whether that could be, you know, through a word of faith, right, through a, through a prayer of encouragement, just through a joyful and gladsome fellowship, you begin to minister to those who are around you. And you know, as you're in the house of the Lord, what happens is, as all this is going on, uh, in the whole process, you find out that you have been deeply ministered to yourself that as you were in the house of the Lord, the Lord met you and just spoke with you and ministered to you more deeply than you know you ministered to anyone else or to Him. And so, you know, when we come into the house of the Lord, it's just this tremendous experience. And so I'm so glad to be joining with you here this morning, this first Sunday of our new year, uh, in the Father's house. And, you know, I just want to say to all of you who are joining us online today, God bless you, and I'm so glad that you are there and here all at the same time. And I just want to encourage you, you know, not to be a stranger to the house of the Lord. You know, we're commanded in Hebrews 10, 24 to, to not forget assembling together. And that's because there's things that God wants to do. The Father, your heavenly Father, wants to minister to you, and He does so differently in a space like the church. 
And so I just want to encourage you. You know, I know there are reasons uh, that maybe you've been, been away and, and been missing, but we just want to encourage you to take time to plan to visit church this month. Don't be gone for too long. We want to see you. The Lord wants to meet with you. I know he can do it where you are, but there's something special that happens when you come and just join with the body of Christ and you are ministered to and ministered to the Lord and to others. So we're looking forward to seeing you uh, here soon in the new year and there's lots of room here for you and you won't regret coming. This morning, uh, as you've already heard, we are celebrating communion, and so I know that we've been given the elements here, but if you haven't uh, gotten those yet, make sure that sometime during the message you just take a minute and go get yourself some, some juice and some crackers and be prepared to celebrate communion with us. I need to take a drink of water. Always. Always a drink of water. So it's New Year. Awesome. And uh, so that means you get a New Year's sermon. Isn't that fantastic? Um, <laughs> now, I know that you've heard a New Year's sermon before. Um, you know, we've done all of this before. And you heard a New Year's sermon in 2020. And look where that got us. And so uh, maybe uh, when we look at a year like 2020 and here we are, God is giving us another year here in 2021, we might look with some askance on this new year. Can we have the same old optimism uh, when the world is still the same old world and the problems of yesterday are still the same old problems of today and today in some ways might feel just like a same old yesterday and uh, you know it's just the same old same old should our optimism uh, be a little stale and worn out by this time uh, shouldn't our expectations of the future be a little muted or a little more realistic you know, and I think that maybe that's how a lot of people are feeling about 2021 and about this new year and uh, about, you know, do I really plan ahead as much as I thought because I planned a vacation last year and everything got canceled and I planned a wedding last year and I only had a few people who could attend and, you know, all of our plans kind of got shifted sideways because 2020 happened and here we have 2021. What is going to happen this year? <laughs> well, I just want to say that I think we should be as optimistic as ever. You know, we should be as expectant as ever. You know, and not because we have any expectation of the world, not because we have some great expectation of ourselves, not because we're going to have a vaccine, not because of who is or isn't in power, but because our expectation is from God. Amen? Our expectation is from God. And there is nothing same old or worn out about God. There is nothing stale about God. God doesn't stagnate. You know, when you think of God, you should be thinking of some vast river that is moving and moving and moving. It is full of life. And, and it is fresh. It is cold. Amen? And you want to jump in. 
And so, you know, we have a good God, and this morning I believe that we can, I don't care about how many New Year's sermons you've heard or how many sermons you've heard in your lifetime or how many Sundays you've been at church over the course of your life. Today, you can dip your cup into the living stream of God's love, of God's goodness, of God's joy, and you can be satisfied today. And I'm telling you, you can get up tomorrow morning and you can take up your cup and before you have your coffee, you should dip your cup into the stream of God's love and just let him fill you and satisfy you. Amen. We need God. And if 2020 didn't teach us that, we didn't learn very much. But we get to learn more today. This morning, I want to briefly share with you some truths about what God is doing in your life. You know, when we look around us and at the world and at people and at the things not going the way we hoped and everything seemingly going the same or even getting worse and even at ourselves when we look at our own weaknesses and shortcomings, you know, it's not exactly calculated to inspire faith or energize our efforts. In fact, we could be forgiven for feeling weary or disappointed. We could be forgiven for feeling cynical, since such a response would be natural, I think. But how many of you know that you have been given a new nature? You have been given a new nature. When you first trusted in Christ, His Spirit came into you and you became a new person, a new person. And I know that's hard to believe because we look at ourselves and we see the same old person. But I tell you that you are a new person. The Word of God says that the flesh wastes away, but the Spirit is being renewed day by day. You are a new person, amen? And where am I here? And so because you have this new nature, you can have an ever new response to the world, to circumstances, to people, to yourself. You can always respond in a new supernatural way to what's happening in your life. Amen? And so there is nothing same old, same old about our life today. Uh, but if we ever start feeling that way, you know, what we need to do is begin to stir up that new nature, stir up that new nature. And, you know, I believe there's lots of ways that we can do that, but I, I think that chiefly our way of doing that is renewing our vision of Jesus, renewing our vision of Jesus and meditating on the goodness of God. And uh, so, you know, this morning, uh, I, I, that's what I want to do, is just meditate on the goodness of God to us. You know, we say that God is good, and we sing that God is good, but sometimes we would benefit by more clearly defining what we mean when we say that God is good. God is good. Amen? And that's what I want to do with you this morning as we answer the question, what is Jesus doing in my life today. What is Jesus doing in your life today? I can tell you, Jesus is not up in heaven, sitting on a cloud, thumbing a harp, eating some grapes, and passing out Philadelphia cream cheese. <laughs> Jesus is at work in your life. Amen? And so what is he doing today? I'm going to pray, 
and we're going to get into the Word. So, Heavenly Father, we're so grateful just to get to be here as the family of God in the house of the Lord. Just thank you for what you want to minister and do and speak to each one of us today. And, Father, we thank you that we get to join with our brothers and sisters online. And, Father, you get to minister to us, God, and we get to minister to you and to one another. And so we ask, Father, that at this time, as your Word is just preached, that our hearts would be open, that our spirits would be attentive, and that, Father, you would minister your word to us and that we would go from this place encouraged, changed, transformed, edified, uh, more in love with you. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is Jesus doing in your life today. Not what is the, has the Lord done in the last year, though, you know, looking back, that's wonderful what God has done. Amen? And we can be so thankful as we reflect on His goodness to us and, you know, His goodness to our church. Just awesome. Praise God. He's so good. Amen? And uh, not what He will do in the year to come. You know, and that's going to be wonderful too. You're going to look back on 2021 and it's going to be good, because God's going to have been good to you, right? But what is the Lord doing and doing right now in you and for you and ready and prepared to do for you today? And so I want to share with you five things that Jesus is doing in your life today. And uh, it's five uh, not because he's only doing five things, but because we only have so much time. I'd love to get into more of the things that God is doing, but you'd be here a lot longer, and uh, we have two services. So just five things, just five things that Jesus is doing or prepared to do as soon as you ask him, as soon as you open up to him, that he is prepared to do for you today. Jesus is loving you. Jesus is loving you. Revelation 1.5 says this, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, you know, that is the King James Bible, and the New King James Bible reads it that way. But, you know, every other translation of the Bible does something different with this. They change that past tense action of Christ's love, where he loved us, and they put it into the presence, present tense, to him who loves us. To him who loves us. It's a present tense action of Christ. That's what the NIV says, to him who loves us. The Amplified Version says it this way, to him who ever loves us. And the Passion Translation uh, says it this way, uh, to him who continually, and I've got my pages worked out here, to him who, <laughs> let me find that. I don't know what I did. Sorry. That's what happens when uh, you're not, uh, you still have the technology of 2000. I am missing one? No, I'm not. To him who loves us constantly, constantly loves you, 
Jesus constantly loves you. What a tremendous thought. When you begin to think about that, today Jesus is loving you. The love of Christ, you know, may seem a rather basic topic. (laughs) We are in church after all, and we certainly all know that God is love and that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, etc., etc., etc. And I think that's the thing is maybe sometimes this incredible treasure, the love of Jesus, uh, becomes a little bit of an etc. in our life and our creed. It's something that we kind of take for granted. And yeah, we know that Jesus loves us, but you know, we're not deeply contemplating the truth of Christ's love for us enough. It's true. None of us contemplates the love of Christ for us deeply enough. That one idea will change you. The one revelation of his love will just change you. The love of Christ is not some sort of generic quality of God. It just isn't. Then there's no generic qualities of God, right? But this is Christ's special love for you that expressed itself by the shedding of his blood on the cross. Amen? And it now expresses itself to you in countless ways of which you and I are largely oblivious, unaware, or just, you know, the love of Christ is just streaming into our lives, and we just don't even recognize that it's happening. And uh, so, you know, the one thought of Christ's constant love should be enough to transform every day from the mundane and the routine and to lift us up out of any discouragement. The thought of Jesus' enduring love for you and I should be sufficient to overwhelm any and every disappointment that a year or a lifetime could throw at you. The love of God, the love of Jesus is so full. Romans 5, 3 and 5 says this, even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us a patient endurance. That patient endurance uh, will refine our character and proven character will bring us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amen? The Holy Spirit lives in us. A cascade of love. What is that? What is that? I don't think we have a very good idea, but you know, if we lack understanding, the Word of God is happy to supply our deficiency. And so in 1 Corinthians, we know that chapter, but it tells us about how Jesus loves us. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. What a picture of the love of God. You know, God is not irritated with you. 
You know, we get irritated with ourselves. We get frustrated with others. We take offense. We get selfish. But God never does. His love is so large. His love is so big. He is so big. And He is so great. His love is just so free. Amen? Wave after wave of love comes to us through those verses of Scripture. And Romans 8, uh, you know, speaks more about this love when it reads, Who could ever separate us from the endless love, the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish His love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Amen? Yet in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. Hallelujah. For God has made us to be more than conquerors and has demonstrated, and His demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now you and I can live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that His love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present condition uh, or future circumstance that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. And so great is this love. You know, this love, as we begin to look into Scripture, you know, it doesn't become in some ways more understandable. It becomes larger than we can understand. It becomes greater than we can think, more than we can hope. And so the Apostle Paul prays that you and I will be empowered to experience the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love. How enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Hallelujah. A cascade of love. Amen. I'm telling you, it's a more than Niagara Falls of love. You know, can you imagine the Niagara Falls drying up? That falls over, it moves 18% of the whole world's fresh surface water. 82% of North America's fresh surface water goes over the Niagara Falls, and I'm going to tell you, at an astonishing rate of 3 million liters per second, Per second, the force of that water going out drives into a gorge 52 meters deep. It plunges down that deep. You don't want to get under the Niagara Falls. It is measurable, though. 
I am telling you, the Niagara Falls is measurable. We can take its height. We can take its depth. We can take its volume. And I'm telling you that we can't do that with the love of Jesus. And I'm not saying the love of Jesus for the world, the love of Jesus out there. I'm saying the love of Jesus for you today is flowing over you at a rate of more than 3 million liters per second. It is drowning you in love. Amen. The love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. It will not dry up one single drop, even if the whole of Niagara Falls, all of a sudden, there was just no water left. The stream of the love of Jesus would flow continuously towards you, unceasingly towards you, always towards you. And so today, that love does not change, cannot change, will not change. And no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what the last year was, like, no matter what yesterday was like, you have a fresh waterfall and cascade of the love of God pouring over you right now. It's going to pour over you tomorrow. It's going to pour over you when you're back to work. It's going to pour over you when you get home. The love of God is just coming upon you. And you know what? We need to open our hearts more to the love of God, I tell you, and we're going to have a wonderful new year. Jesus is loving you. That's number one. Jesus is serving you. On the night when he was crucified and Jesus was eating the Last Supper with his friends, it was he who got up and washed their feet, the King of kings, the Lord of the lords, the one who spoke and the worlds were formed. He, it's, the Bible says that he got up and he, he took a towel and girded himself and he, he washed their feet and, you know, because none of them else, none of them would do it. None of them would do it. These disciples were very concerned, just like you and I are, about who would be the greatest, which one of us is the best, you know? And they had the same preoccupation, and uh, none of them wanted to do the office of being the lowly servant. And uh, so Jesus, you know, he gets up, and in his humble and gentle and astonishing rebuke of their ambitions, he says, I am among you as one who serves. I am among you as one who serves. You know, there are two ways that we can read Scripture, two ways that we can read the Gospels, and one is that we can read them as a record of who Christ was and what He did in His earthly life, or we can read them as a testimony of who He is, who He is. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He was, He is. What He said, He says. The life we see lived out on the pages of the Gospels is the life that Jesus is always living. If he was among us as one who serves, then Jesus is still among us as one who serves. One of the great names of Jesus, uh, if you look in the book of Isaiah, the great name of Jesus in that book is the servant of the Lord, the servant of the Lord. You know, Jesus was a servant to God the Father. He was a servant to God the Father. As the Son of God, He humbled Himself to fulfill the purposes of God. And we know he, he became into this earth and became a human being and offered Himself as a sacrifice 
for you and I. And in doing that, he became God's servant. But at the same time, he became our servant, our high priest, in fact. Amen? And the Bible says that he has a continuous and eternal priesthood, meaning that he continues to serve in this function for you and I and in the family of God. He continues to be our high priest. And, you know, he offered up that sacrifice once and for all. Now he continually and always lives to make intercession for us according to the will of God. You know, the service of the priest in Scripture is twofold, and the one is to offer up sacrifices. And you can read all about that in Leviticus. And in Hebrews, you can read all about how that was the job of the priest was to go into the temple and to offer, especially on the Day of Atonement, to to put blood over the mercy seat to make atonement for all the sins of God's people. And, you know, Jesus did that, amen? He went in to the, the most holy place through the blood of his covenant, and he offered up a, a tremendous sacrifice of himself for us. And, you know, he offered that sacrifice once and for all. And no one ever goes into the temple anymore to offer such a sacrifice. But the second role of the priest is to come out, to come out of the house of the Lord and to bless the people of God. That is the second role of the priest. And I tell you, Jesus is blessing you today. Jesus is blessing you. That's his job today is to bless you and bless you and bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is the blessing that the high priest would come out and speak to God's people. And it's the blessing that Jesus speaks over you and I. Jesus serves you. And you know, when you and I serve Jesus, all things serve us. When you and I serve Jesus, all things serve us. I mean every circumstance, the passage of time, the world around us, be that a pandemic or a nosy neighbor or an irritating co-worker, all are put to the service of bringing us to where God is purposed. So you know what about any circumstance that you're going through, any experience that you're having, the season that you're in, you can say of that, you are my servant because I serve Jesus Christ. And the preacher in Ecclesiastes says this, that there is a time and a purpose for every season under heaven. Or maybe I got that wrong. A sign and a season for every purpose under heaven. And that God makes everything beautiful in his time. You know, there is no one more attentive to your needs than Jesus is. Pastor Greg in his office has a picture of of a man who's just gotten home from work and he's sat down and he's just tired. And there is Jesus washing his feet. Now, you know, that's obviously taken from Scripture and Jesus isn't going to go home today with you and wash your feet. But, you know, Jesus is going to go home with you and he's just going to minister to you. So when you're feeling worn out or run down, when you've had a long day at the office or a long day at home with the kids, may you be encouraged to keep on serving and to keep on being faithful by this one precious thought, Jesus is serving me. Jesus is serving me. And you know, if you think about that, it'll put fresh energy, fresh patience in you to just continue to serve others 
and be faithful to do that. Jesus is serving you. Jesus is cleansing you. Jesus is cleansing you. We were singing about that this morning. The blood of Jesus cleansing us. The love of Jesus drenching us. Amen? Hallelujah. We're so grateful for that cleansing that we receive from him. In 1 John 1, 5, it tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And, you know, aren't you glad that I bathe more than once a year? You know, that it's not, I mean, if I just did it on New Year's, you would be lucky because you'd be only three days in, amen? But uh, aren't you glad that I do that? Or you'd all be wearing masks and no complaint at all. And uh, so thankfully, I start to feel dirty every other day, you know. Every day I get up, I'm just like, oof, I don't want to go more than two days. I can't go more than two days without a shower. So I shower daily, which is excellent. And, uh, and that's good for you. As believers, we've been cleansed by Jesus. Amen? You were cleansed. Jesus shed his blood on the cross. When you gave your heart to Jesus, he came in and he cleaned you. And you washed away all that sin. And, uh, and gave you that new nature that I was speaking about. Um, and that is in tremendously excellent, right? Praise God for that, that he washed me, that he cleansed me. But this verse says that he cleanses, that today there is a work of cleansing that Jesus can do in you and for you. And, uh, you know, what that is talking about is just, you know, that you and I live in this world, we still live in the world, and we can still get some of the world splashed on us, and we can even become worldly as we go through our day and go through our week and month and year. And, you know, if we haven't gotten very cleaned up in uh, the last little while, we get more and more worldly. And uh, the thing is that we should be coming to Christ so that we can be cleansed. Because the last thing that we want to be doing is smelling and sounding and looking like the world. We want to be smelling, sounding, and looking as fresh as Jesus. Amen? And so we want to be those people who come and are made clean by Christ. And so we want to take that spiritual shower. You know, one thing that makes me feel dirty, I can tell you one thing that makes me feel dirty is having an argument with someone that doesn't end right, and as you most uh, will know, almost no argument ends right. Most arguments just end, oh, uh, it wasn't good, it wasn't good. I said all the right things. Of course you did, of course I did. Of course I said all the right things. Why am I feeling so icky? Why am I feeling grimy? and dirty, you know, and uh, so I think that when that happens, the reason for it is because the whole thing, the whole exchange was selfishness, the whole exchange, you know, I was, it was an exercise in selfishness, and in that process, basically, I was willing to just throw kindness, throw gentleness, throw patience, um, love, and the other person under the proverbial bus, all so that I could prove my point and win. And so at the end, you know, and, and I have those arguments just from time to time. It's not like I'm going around arguing all the time, but from time to time, 
you know, whether it's politics or, you know, you get onto these things online and you just realize, oh, I just wasn't a great Christian, you know, in that. And I hope, you know, that doesn't backfire on me. Praise God. You know, you just end up feeling, oh, dirty. Oof. And, um, you know, the best thing is just to go and get cleaned up. Just go get cleaned up. And uh, sometimes you need to go get cleaned up before you go and talk to that person again. <laughs> because you need to be able to come to them with the right spirit and just say, hey, it went wrong. <laughs> I was wrong, you know? And lots of times we can't do that well until we're cleaned up. So, you know, it's one of those things that God can do, does for me, you know, when I'm feeling grimy, that Jesus can do for you. And uh, so let's not skip our shower in the morning. We want to smell great. Jesus is giving to you. That's my fourth point. Jesus is giving to you. You know, when we picture Jesus, we should always picture him with his hands stretched out and just full of everything that we need, full of everything that we need. God is generous. There is nothing stingy or miserly about God. Um, it is his nature to give and give and give and give and give. You know, I remember you, always, you got a cookie when you were kids. Two for each hand, right? It's just, well, I want more than two. <laughs> Jesus doesn't have two for each hand for you. He has more and more and more. And it says that in Psalm 145 and 16, it says of God, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. In John 10, 11, Jesus says, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Not gave his life, but gives his life. There is a constant giving by Jesus of himself to you. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Again, it's a constant giving of his peace. It's not as though he gave it to you once and that he's not there to give it to you again. His peace is always being offered to you. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says that it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Psalm 127 and 2 says that God gives rest and sleep to his loved ones. 1 Peter 5 and 5 says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 1.17 tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift come down from the Father with whom there is no shadow of changing. He's the same giving God always. Amen? And 1 James 1.5, it says, if anyone, any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. In Romans 8, it says that he who gave us his own son, how much more will he not with him freely give us all things. I tell you, God is generous. He is being generous to you right now, today, and that generosity is liberal. It is liberal, not, uh, not in the government way, but it's liberal. During Christmas, I was driving in the country, and the thought struck me that everything I saw and my whole experience was a gift. The snow covering the fields, 
the trees just nestled over in the hills, the houses dotted among the trees, the warm car from which I was appreciating the scene, the joy that was filling my heart as I was just looking at this. And God was just like, this is a gift. All of this, every, every iota, every, every tree, everything that you're experiencing is my gift to you right now. Just in this one moment, just a tiny gift from God. Amen? And uh, that is how God gifts gifts in the small things as well as in the big things. Every good gift God is giving all the time and all the time God is giving. 1 Timothy 6, 17 speaks of the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God gives liberally. God gives liberally and he gives without reproach. You know, it's not just wisdom that he gives liberally and without reproach. It's everything. That's his nature, amen? Uh, he, God is not critical or judgmental. This is the wonderful thing about God. He's not critical and judgmental. That's our problem. And so, you know, often when we give, we give with reproach. You know what I mean? We give, and at the same time, we give, we hand out a free lecture. I know you've all been there, because we've all been children at one point, and we all got lots of those gratis lectures, you know, and uh, those I told you so's, or just some good advice uh, for good measure. And, you know, it's kind of uh, the person who gets the gift from us, they go away, you know, feeling a little weighed down, feeling like maybe they should have just left the gift, because they would have maybe felt a little better and been, in the end, better off. You know, God never gives that way. God never gives that way. Hallelujah. God is different from us. You know, He is not wearied by our needs and our weaknesses. Unwearied. You can go to Him a thousand times in a day, and He will not reproach you for coming a thousand and one times. Uh, you know, we can never go to him too often. We can never go to him too late. We, he, he doesn't care if there's been years of neglect and ingratitude on our part. When we come to him and ask, you know what? He doesn't even mention it. He's not even going, it will not even flash in his eyes. You ungrateful little child, here you go. It doesn't even pass through his thought. He is so generous. He's been waiting. You know, the prodigal, the prodigal son, when he comes home, you know, it's not like he found dad, you know, fuming. When is that kid going to come home? His dad is waiting for him waiting for him, and when he sees him afar off, it says, that he runs to him. That's how Jesus is for you and I. In his giving, he gives without reproach. I tell you, the fatted calf is cut up, the robe and the ring that was on him, he gives to us. Amen? He is giving without reproach, not as the world gives, Give I unto you. And he gives without reproach so that you and I always have the courage to ask. Always have the courage to come yet again 
Ask and you receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus is always in a giving mood. Amen? May we see him as our source in every need and go to him sooner rather than later. Number five, Jesus is at work in you. Jesus is always at work in you. John 5, 17, Jesus says this, My Father is always working, and so am I. You know, Jesus doesn't take Sundays off. He doesn't take New Year's off or Christmas off. He is always at work, and you are his special project. Psalm 121 and verse 5 says this, that the Lord himself watches over you. And in verse 7, it says, the Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. We may grow weary and tired of work. And I think the hardest kind of work is the kind we generally begin to participate in at New Year's, the work on ourselves, the work of becoming better people, more mature, more disciplined, more everything that we admire and want to be. And the thing is, we, we become so very slowly, don't we? We become so very slowly, if you know what I mean when I say that. We just change so slow. Uh, the effect of each year's resolutions is, is like water dripping on a stone, right? We wish we could hit ourselves with the Niagara Falls and jolt us into a whole new way of living and being, but, but that work is terribly hard work. And I'm not particularly good at it. Uh, sometimes I feel like I change at the rate uh, that a glacier moves. You know, inches. That, that, that huge, massive thing moves inches. And it's just like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's how I change. Oh man, it's such hard work. Our weaknesses can be dispiriting. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when I consider myself, to be honest, uh, my prayer is reduced to the simple cry of, Lord, you know. Lord, you know. And uh, maybe that's you sometimes when it comes to, to who you are and, and, and your life. And thank God he does know. Thank God he does know. And, you know, he is unwearied in his working. The Lord watch, who watches over you neither slumbers nor sleeps. Philippians 2.13 tells us that it is God who works in you both to will and to do what pleases him. In Hebrews 13.21, it tells us that God is working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. You know, God is doing different work from the work that we do. We're all busy about maybe trying to become a better person. I tell you, God is making us well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. That's the work that he is doing. And Philippians 1.6 reminds us that even if it takes a long time, that this God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. You know, God is not in this because it's a sprint. God is not into you because you're easy. God knows it's hard work and he's up for the challenge. Amen. God works and he works patiently. There's an old saying and I love it. The mills of God grind slowly, 
but they grind exceeding fine. You know, God is doing fine work in you and I. God is doing fine work in your spouse. God is doing fine work in your children. Uh, We may not have eyes to see it, but may God give us hearts to understand that we are all under construction and that He is the foreman leading that work. Amen? And as we do that, we'll have patience with ourselves, hope for what God is doing in me. I will change. I will be transformed. One day, the Bible says, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed. Amen? But right now, it's some, it's some uphill work. And you know, it's uphill work for God more than it is for us. But He is up to that challenge. Amen? Day by day, let Him do His work in you. You know, I wish I had time to go into, uh, you know, other things that Jesus is doing. You know, He teaches. Jesus is a great teacher, and He's teaching you through His Spirit. He comforts you. You know, we don't understand, but Jesus is so attentive to us. You go through each day, and I'm telling you, Jesus is comforting you each and every day. Jesus is ministering to you. Jesus is loving you. Jesus is giving to you, is serving you, is cleansing you, is working in you. The question is, what am I, what are you going to do with all that he is doing? What are we going to do with all that he is doing? A few weeks ago, Mrs. Agri just was here in prayer meeting and she shared the words of this song, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I've ever had before. I want more of his great love, so full, so rich, so free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. I need more of Jesus. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, you need more of Jesus. We need more of Jesus. The Father's house as a church family needs more of Jesus. And we don't need more of Jesus because we're greedy. We need more of Jesus because we are needy. And because individually and corporately, we have a tremendous mission. We need more of Jesus because we are those who, need, who are helping other people. You're helping other people, your brothers and sisters. You're helping other people who haven't even come home to God, helping them find their way home to Him. And so the thing is, we need more of Him. And that means we need to give Him more of ourselves. And so that's my prayer for you this morning, is that day by day as you go through this new year each day, you will challenge yourself to give Jesus more to give Jesus more of your worries, to give Jesus more of your problems, to give Jesus more of your frustrations, to give Jesus more of your negative self-thinking, to give Jesus more of your restlessness and begin to let Jesus give you more of who he is, more of his love, more of his work in you, more of his ministry to you, amen? We need more of Jesus. Amen. More faith, more joy, more peace. Amen. That's what we can have. And so I just want to pray with you this morning 
and uh, then I know we're going to have communion, but let's pray. You know, maybe you are here today, or maybe you've joined us online, and you are like me. You need more of Jesus, more and more and more. It's not enough to have just some of Jesus. You just know, I need more of Jesus. If 2020 taught me anything, I need more of Jesus. And you know that what that means, that you must decrease so that he can increase. You must give more of yourself so that you can experience more of him. If that's you here this morning and you just agree with that, if that's you online and you're saying, yes, I want more of Jesus, you want to just raise your hand in acknowledgement that, yes, that's me. And so seeing all your hands, and I know that you online can acknowledge that as well. And so, Father, you see each one here this morning. God, you see our need. And, Father, just like we just say, Lord, you know. Lord, you know. We need more of you. And, Father, our prayer is that you would just lead us today. You would lead us each day to give you more of ourselves. Teach us, Holy Spirit, what that looks like how it looks to be unselfish, how it looks to serve others, how it looks to be faithful. God, not by our own hard work, by, by letting you do a deeper work in each one of us. Father, we commit ourselves to you today and say we want more of you, and we trust that as we ask, we will receive in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, maybe you are joining us here today or online and you're only recognizing now that you need Jesus, that you don't just need more of Jesus, you need Jesus to begin with. The Bible says that those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, you can pray a simple prayer here today, and you can give your life to, to Him. Today, He will become your Savior, and you can start a new year in a way like you've never started one, with being, having a new nature. And so if that's you here today or, or if that's you online, uh, we want you to tell us that, uh, that that's the case. And so make sure to just let uh, the church family know. Uh, you can type that in there and just say, I made a commitment to Jesus. You know, if that's you here this morning, I can't see if, if you know, who's here, but, but if that's you, raise your hand and, and just acknowledge that and just say, yes, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we want to just pray that prayer, you know, because we don't know who is joining us. So, Father, we ask in Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for the love of your Son, Jesus. And God, I ask that you would come into to my heart. You can just repeat this prayer yourself if you're praying it. God, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you today and live for you each and every day. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for forgiving me and leading me in a new life with your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to have communion here, and I believe we have some elements. And if you're online, I know that you will have them as well. And so communion, you know, we started talking about 
the house of the Lord, a place of communion with God, a place of communion with Jesus. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he opened the doors of the house of God. And it says that, that the, the, even the veil of the temple was torn and, uh, and there was free access to God. And we want to celebrate that today as we take communion, that you and I as the family of God and you who are joining us uh, you know, here online as the family of God together, we celebrate the freedom that Christ has given us, freedom from sin, freedom to just come to God each and every day and let his love and his life pour anew and afresh into us and that we can just be washed in him and washed from sin each and every day, that his love, nothing can separate us from that love, amen? And so today we're remembering that as we take communion and I need to open this, which is a little bit tricky. There we go. There we go. And so that's what communion we're doing. We're celebrating this tremendous Savior who loves us, who loved us, will love us. Amen? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that Jesus, on the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's participate. Father, thank you for communion. Thank you for fellowship with you and with the body of Christ in your house today. Thank you that it just goes on and on and on. Your love just goes on and on and on. Your goodness to us just goes on and on and on. And I just pray today, Father, that you would just carry us through this week, that each week we would just learn not just to wait for Sunday, but just each and every day, let you come and fill us and work in us and serve us and just supply us with every good thing that we need. Bless the Father's House Church family today, those here in this place, those online. May you be blessed in the knowledge of God's goodness and grace to you this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, rest of your weekend. Great to see you. I know there's coffee out in the foyer, so God bless you as you go.